Great God and Father, thank you again for this opportunity we can gather together as believers, that we can worship and praise you, that we can open your word together, that we can learn and allow your Holy Spirit to teach us, help us to understand and apply your word to our lives. Father, we thank you, first of all, for saving us. Father, that we look forward to being with you forever. And Father, we just thank you that you walk with us here on this earth. Pray, especially today, this being Father's Day, you'd bless the fathers, grandfathers. And Father, uh, we're just uh, thankful that you're our Heavenly Father. And we ask uh, all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, these past uh, few weeks, we've been studying certainties or truths believers can count on. We've been in 1 John chapter 5, 13 through 21. And as we walk this journey in life, we're always reminded of the world's uncertainties, even as we were reminded last weekend of the tragedies in Orlando. We can lose heart, we can get discouraged and even depressed. But it's great to know that God wants us to be strong in our walk as a believer and a follower of him. And I believe this series that we're going to finish up today it's very important that we know things, certainties that we can hang on to as believers. Because even though we're not in a literal hurricane, when we walk out in the world around us, spiritually, it's almost like a hurricane. Because those fiery darts from Satan come from every angle to get us discouraged, depressed, looking at things instead of looking at Jesus. And so I'm always reminded, God tells us, keep that shield of faith up, keep the sword of the Spirit in your right hand, which is the Word of God. And the best way to do that is memorizing Scripture. Keep it in our hearts, in our minds, so that when we're under attack, we can go to God's Word immediately. So if you join me in 1 John 5, we're going to read the entire text this morning, 13 to 21. We've seen already two of the certainties we have that God has given us as believers. We're going to see the other three this morning. 1 John 5, beginning of verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we might know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. So as was shared the last two weeks, we've been looking at these 
certainties, these truths that we can hang on to that God has given us. The first one was shared in verse 13, and that is that we have eternal life. And I always like to look at eternal life beginning at the time we're saved, because that's when it begins. We have that little step of death that we will step through, but that'll be stepping into heaven's gates. And that's something to look forward to, not something to fear. And then last week we looked at verses 14 and 15, and we saw the importance and that certainty of answered prayer. God answers our prayers. Sometimes it's weight. We don't like that. That's the hardest thing I think we learn as Christians is patience. Because we're always in a hurry. We live in a world, hurry up. And God says, wait. Because while we're waiting, what? Our trust and our faith can grow. And so then we learn to depend on God more while we're waiting. But that's not easy. Because humanly, we want things quickly. We want a quick answer. We want the drive-through quickly. We don't want to go in and have to be waited on. We want to get through the drive-through so fast. That can even be a challenge as well. Well, today we come to the final three certainties, and this is beginning of verse 18 through 21. And that third certainty, truth we can count on, is revealed in verse 18. It says, We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. That third certainty, that third truth, is that we have victory over sin. Amen? We don't just commonly just go around and continue to sin because that's all we know what to do. But we have victory over sin. A man or woman in Christ is a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We were made new creatures in Christ and we received the Holy Spirit to indwell in us. As Christians, we're to live our lives dead to sin, but alive to God because of Jesus Christ. Romans 6.11 Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Pastor John Mitchell, Central Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, shares, If you have a personal relationship with the Savior, your life will not be characterized and dominated by sin. I shared this past Thursday, a few days ago, with the inmates at the Protestant service, how we can have victory over sin as being new in Christ, and we show changes in our lives. And by the way, I appreciate your prayers for them, because many of these men are growing. Praise God. God's working in them. It's a blessing to, to see God working in the lives of these inmates. But we looked at Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. We discovered that God changes us when we're saved from that tendency to lie to becoming truthful. And that's a big issue in Pinellas County Jail, being truthful instead of lying. Because you live in a world that says, well, if you really feel you need to, you ever heard the word white lie? There's no white lie. A lie is a lie. <laughs> and so to be totally truthful, that's a huge change that God puts in our lives. Having the right kind of anger, the anger towards sin and not the sinner, that's a tough one. 
But God can do that in our lives. Changing from stealing to sharing. From uttering wholesome words instead of unwholesome words. And I hear a few of those uh, every day in the jail. And they're not just the inmates. We hear it uh, from everybody coming in. But that should offend us. I think it offends me when I hear God's name used in vain. That hurts me because they're talking about my Savior. They're talking about Jesus. And I won't even give you any examples. I don't think I need to. But I hear that and we all hear that from time to time. But we need to always be watching our words because words, I feel the greatest benefit of our words is to encourage because I ask the inmates every week, how many people get too much encouragement? I don't ever see a hand. How many give too much encouragement? No hands either. So there's plenty of that to go around, many opportunities if we're looking for them. Here's what one inmate shared about his new life of knowing that, that he was saved Named Sean Bunch. He's in Pikesville, Tennessee at the county jail. All things are new. Pain and sorrow are all I've ever known. Sitting here wondering when I'll ever make it home. I'm tired of being alone. I need that special love. They tell me I can get it from my Father above. I've fallen on my knees with no hope in sight. Help me, dear Jesus. Help me make it right. My burdens are heavy, but you carry me through. Touch me, Holy Spirit, and lead me through. He must have heard my prayers when I called out his name, because since that moment I haven't been the same. Blind for so long, but now I see that the precious blood of Jesus was shed for me. Old things are passed away. All things are new. I'm so glad, King Jesus, that I finally met you. That just brings shivers to me when it... When I read these, are men behind bars, and God is making a... They're new in Christ. We're all new in Christ. And that should be an encouragement to know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. We're His. Once we're born again, that continual pattern of sin is broken. And I praise God for that. We don't continue down that road we were on. There's a hymn, Victory in Jesus. I'm not going to sing it, so don't be afraid. Amen? Okay. <laughs> and it really speaks, I think, of how we have victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how He gave His life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about His groaning of His precious blood's atoning, and I repented of my sin and won the victory. Victory in Jesus. Amen. I guess I could end right there. Because that's what it is. It's a daily walk because we have victory in Jesus. Sin no longer dominates our lives. And again, I mentioned in our small prayer group, please continue praying for inmate Eric. Eric got in a fight this last week. Somebody punched him. He had four stitches around his eye. He's struggling. Actually, you know, you only hear one side of the story. But anyway... He was in a fight, and he knows that he shouldn't have been in a fight, and he was in a fight. And so now there's certain things that happen, as Doug knows, over at the jail. Certain things go into motion, and so I don't know what his status will be. They'd moved him to health care to take care of his eye. 
Uh, and I don't know where he'll be this week, but I still can go see him, and I praise God for that and encourage him through the word. But pray for Eric. Commentator uh, Wilbur Smith, a professor at Moody Bible Institute years ago, he shares there's no comfort in the thought that we are in our own keeping. Our security is not in our grip on Christ, but his grip on us. Well, I love that. That's that's one uh, one that I want to put up on the wall at the jail in my office because he's got a hold of us. And that's what counts. Kenneth Wiest uh, translates this verse, verse 18. We know absolutely that everyone who has been born out of God and as a result is a regenerated individual does not keep on habitually sinning, but he who was born out of God maintains a guardianship over him and the pernicious one does not lay hold of him. God's got a hold of us and he's, he's keeping us. Jesus Christ keeps us so Satan can't have that grip on us. We've been rescued. Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In 2 Timothy 2.26, and that they may come to their sense and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. It tells us, but we who have been born of God, born of God, we've been adopted into God's family. God can only do it. God is the author. He is the one who saved us from start to finish. And I praise God for that because he keeps us. And that's what we need to be reminded here. He is born of God, keeps him, keeps us. And how does he keep us? He keeps us in many, many ways. But here's a few. Keeps us pure. Because our focus no longer is on what pleases ourselves, but what pleases God. It keeps us in the faith. Keeps us, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Faith in who? In God. That's our focus. Every morning when we wake up, we need to get our focus. If it's not there, readjusted or adjusted to keep our eyes on Jesus. In the chapel that we have our service in, in, in South Division and Max, um, I always illustrate it to the men that are there. I say, we're looking too often this way, and we need to be looking over here because we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and his word so we know what God wants us to be doing. We're to keep God's word, it says, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. There are just a few ways that God keeps us. Jesus keeps us and preserves us by giving us guarantees from his word. And the first one is God's promises. I'm thankful for those. Aren't you? That we can go to the word and say, God, you said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's what one professor said. And I always remember that. God's promises we can hang on to because they're from God. God doesn't renege. God doesn't have a limited warranty on it. It's true because God said it and God is truth. 
Second, it's God's power to keep us saved. We don't have to wonder about it. God doesn't put us in his family and then kick us out. Can't do that. Because he's God. Third, God's purpose to save the elect. 2 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. It's all God's grace. Believers are secure in Christ. But he who, this is what 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We're secure in him. And then we need to always remember the high price God paid to redeem the elect guarantees that we won't, he will not lose them. In other words, God has brought us to him and he keeps us with him and no one can snatch us away. The world tries to, and Satan tries to get us to doubt and get depressed and look elsewhere. Jesus says, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on my word and study it and learn from it, understand it, and then live it. Because we live in a world that's definitely looking for alternate answers. They're not finding them in the world. They're looking for something else. And we need to be that light and that salt. Our fourth certainty or truth can be found that we can count on in verse 19. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That fourth truth, we belong to God. We've kind of touched on already, but in verse 19, it's given to us. We belong to God. As part of the human race, we either belong to Satan or we belong to God. The only way to belong to God is by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are saved. It was by grace we've been saved, not of ourselves. Nobody can walk around and brag and say, look at me, God chose me, I did all this, and so God decided to to save me. That's all works. It's all by grace. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? We don't have to wonder about it. We take God at his word. Jude 24, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior. We can praise God every day that he chose us. We can thank him. Say, well, you know, when I pray, sometimes, and I find this with my own self as well, we come before God's throne and we're listing a whole bunch of things, but we forgot to thank him. And the first thing to thank him, of course, is is his grace and mercy that he chose us, that he saved us. We can praise God every day for that. He not only chose us, but he drew us to him. Ephesians 2.5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It's one of the challenges of teaching and sharing God's word in the jail. Uh, Most of these men that are there don't have a background of a good Bible-believing church, so there's not that foundation. But I asked them when we were kind of talking about that we were 
dead as sinners. Jesus had to make us alive to even respond. Uh, I had to try to explain that. And so this was one of the verses that, that I used. It had to make us alive to respond because we were dead in sin. And I asked them, I said, what can a dead person do? They all agreed, nothing. And then they began to understand that from beginning to end, salvation's all from God. And then he saved us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And you know there would be all that boasting if it was partially man, but it's all God. And then he keeps us. First Peter 1 Peter 1.5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. God and Satan are enemies, and knowing we belong to the King of Kings, we are eternally His. The words to an old hymn, and I don't know, some of these old hymns have such a message, and this one I think spoke to me as I was looking at this passage, I belong to the King. I'm a child of his love. I shall dwell in his palace so fair. For he tells of its bliss in heaven above. And his children its splendors shall share. I belong to the king. I'm a child of his love. And he never forsaketh his own. He will call me someday to his palace above. I shall dwell by his glorified throne. I hear the, sometimes the, the music, uh, Joy FM, other radio stations, the inmates try to pick that up at the jail. But I hear songs of talking about when we are in heaven, what will we do? Can we say anything? Except I think once we, we are in heaven, this is my own opinion, okay, I don't have any insight on this, but I think when we're up in heaven's gates, I think we'll be falling on our knees and saying, holy, holy, holy. Because I think for myself, too, and, and serving in the military, I had times that you would call close calls going on, but I know God was with me wherever I was, and I know he was with the soldiers wherever they were, and God worked some miracles with some of, some of those men and women uh, as they, they served in the military. Things I would have never thought of, but being able to witness and see God work. Uh, every day to me is a surprise walking with the Lord. Not that I, not saying that God's word isn't consistent and all, that, that God is, is walking with me. But, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. And I think sometimes we pray and, and we're wondering, what is God going to do? Well, we know it's going to be better than even what we prayed because he's God. His ways, his thoughts, everything God does is up here. It's perfect. And the blessings that we receive, the grace that we receive, anything from God, we need to thank him for because he deserves that. He deserves that praise. I don't want to bore you with these, but this is what another inmate wrote, if I can find it. Oh, here it is. It's called Washed in the Blood, and this is what he wrote. His name, uh, Marion Blake in Gainesville, Florida. He's at Lowell Correctional Institute. As a sinner, I understand fully the need for mercy, grace, and forgiveness. With clearly evident stains of greed, lust, 
selfishness and murder, I was thrown out and shamed by man. Since man is but flesh and God is sovereign, I had to make a choice. As I lifted up my blood-stained hands to the sky in a humble desire to be saved, I felt his arms circle around me in a warmth I had never felt before. Locked in a county jail facing a murder charge in a makeshift church on a cold concrete floor, Jesus met me. He lifted me up, took my sin on the cross, and saved me. Now as I sit, washed by the precious blood of the Savior, I can lift my clean, spotless hands and face to the Lord in thanksgiving and rejoicing. Amazing how God works. So our fourth certainty is that we belong to God. Now our final certainty or truth we can count on in verses 20 and 21. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we might know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. That final truth in these verses, and this is a very, very important one because of the world we live in, Jesus is the true God. Jesus is the true God. We're going to, at a county jail myself, I'll tell you, I hear many, many people call gods. And there's many, many religions that are represented there that say their road will lead to heaven because there's many ways to get there. But I always hang on to John 14, 6. Jesus says what? I am the way. Period. The way. There is no other way. And so all these others don't lead to heaven. They lead to hell, to an eternity without God. Jesus is the true God. And the world we live in, I think more than ever, we need that certainty because we will get bombarded from everything else coming our way. Again, keep the shield of faith up. Keep the sword of the Spirit in the right hand and do battle. And one thing I did read about that armor that we put on, and this is very interesting, that armor that we put on as a believer is permanent. We don't take it off. We keep that on. We keep the shield up. We keep the sword of the spirit up. But all that other armor we keep on day and night because it's a battle 24-7, isn't it? Ever wake up at night? I don't. Maybe this never happened to you and turn on the news. Turn on the news and say, oh man, that happened, that's horrific. Every morning we turn on the news, something happened overnight, some tragedy, something going on in the world around us. And we've got to remember, we are children of, we are sons and daughters of the true God. Jesus is the true God, not a false one. He's always there for us. He never leaves us. And as I was thinking about this, look back with me at 1 John 1, the first chapter, and it talks about how important this is to know. 1 John 1, 1 to 4, the coming of Jesus. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested 
And we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Our joy is from the Lord. Amen. If it's anywhere else, it's fading. It's here one day and gone the next. But if it's in the Lord, it's forever. It's for eternity. Jesus, the Son of God, has come and is here. He indwells us, dwells believers. Even as he ascended to the Father, he gave us the Holy Spirit to help us understand the word, to live by it, to apply it, and to be his, his ambassadors whatever time we have here on this earth. Salvation is only through Jesus because he is the true God. John 10.9 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. John 8.12, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 6:51 I am the living bread which came down from heaven if any man eat of this bread he shall live forever Again we need to praise God every day that he saved us Our hope isn't on this earth but as we look heavenward it's focused on Jesus And then we get to verse 21 the closing little children I like that don't you Little children, because so often we're little children. But little children, children of the king, children of, of God, says, guard yourselves from idols. A final warning. Guard ourselves from idols. Say, well, I don't have any idols in my house. I don't put uh, little wooden statutes up. I don't have... This uh, image of, of one leader I won't mention uh, sitting in my hallway. So I don't have any idols. <laughs> I'll tell you, we live in a world of idols. They're not called that because they're commercialized. They're, they're okay. And one of those that I kind of brought up a few weeks ago, and I think it's still something that can be an idol, I'm going to say it. Sports, professional sports, oh. NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, that can become an idol. And what is an idol, you say? Well, it's anything that gets in the way of our focus on Jesus. We spend our time, our efforts, all our thinking, our money, whatever it might be, on something that gets in the way of seeing Jesus as number one in our lives. I share that with the, uh, the inmates at the jail. I try to remind myself as well. When we're spending more time with other things and not in his word and not spending time in prayer, not spending time in fellowship with one another, not spending time to praise and worship God, we're spending it on something else. That can be an idol. And it says, stay away from them. Why? Time is short. And I'm reminded of that more often as uh, 
Some of these, like this two-year-old who, who wandered off and, and there was an alligator there at Disney, a tragedy, a two-year-old, a life short. We don't know how long we have on this earth, do we? But we have God to walk with us. And so when I think of idolatry, anything that gets in the way, takes our time, and we don't have God number one in our lives, it's a tragedy. Why? Because we don't know how long we have on this earth. Let's say we live to be 100 or 110. But what is that in light of eternity? We have one opportunity as we walk on this earth to serve God. And then it's gone. It's like a vapor. and You see it one moment and then it's gone. So every day is a gift. Every day that God has us on this earth, there's a reason. And that is to serve and glorify God. John MacArthur shares, anything that people elevate above God is an idol of the heart. It can include material possessions like a car, truck, motorcycle, time management that includes worship of sports and no time for God. And it can include popularity with the world over approval from God. I think when we get to the end of the day, if we can say, Lord, I know I'm I messed up on a few things, but I, but I hope my life reflected you today. Or that somebody saw a little glimpse of Jesus in my life. And I don't know what else. You know, it's uh, because I know I speak for myself. I fail all the time. But God doesn't throw in the towel. He doesn't say, I'm done with you. I'm not going to work through your life anymore. I'm not going to teach you God's word through the Holy Spirit so that you can can live by it and memorize it and be light and salt that God's out commanded us to do. But he keeps on working on us, doesn't he? You ever see the bumper, uh, what does it say? God, be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. I praise God he's not finished with us ever, is he? Someday we'll have a new body. I'm thankful for that. I know Pastor Steve is. No more knee issues. <laughs> we'll have a perfect body, a body like Jesus that will be with him forever. But now we have the opportunity to walk with the Lord day by day on this earth. So we've seen five certainties, five truths God has given us as believers to hang on to. These are things that we can grip and hang on to every day. They included eternal life, answered prayer, victory over sin, belonging to God, and that Jesus Christ is God and our only way to everlasting life. We've seen uncertainty in the world around us, earthquakes, not long ago in Japan and Ecuador, massive floods, last year in Colorado, recently in Texas. Fires in Oklahoma and Kansas this spring. Now the tragedies in Orlando. There have the uncertainties on the political scene and the housing market up and down. People are going to live here, not going to move here. Now they are, now they're not. Back and forth. But one thing we can lean on every day that will never change. If Jesus saved us, it's forever. No one can snatch us out of his hand. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We need to use that every day. God said that. And we believe that and we live by it. 
And as we close, I encourage each person here to make sure you're a child of the king. I never take that for granted. Because as a child of the king, you have these certainties you can hang on to day by day. And if you're not, I just pray that as God calls you, that you would hear that call. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the privilege, the honor in America that we can open your word together, that we can learn through your Holy Spirit what the certainties that you have shared with us here in 1 John 5. Father, we live in a world that's just fallen apart, but God, you never do. Lord, I'm thankful you have your grip on us as your sons and daughters. It wasn't anything that we earned or deserved, but it's all of you. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I pray, Father, too, for lost ones around us who are headed on the road to everlasting hell. Father, I pray, too, for their salvation. Because, Father, I know you're working. Even as the world gets darker and falls apart even more, Lord, I know you're working. I see it. It's just such a great blessing to witness you working in impossible situations. Thank you, Lord, that you have us wherever we are, whether we're retired, whether we're working at a jail, whether we, wherever we work, Lord, you have us at a place that you've called us to be. And it's day to day. And it's for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for, again, saving us, keeping us, and allowing us to meet together in this way to open your word. And continue to use us, Lord, that our lives would reflect in every way who you are and how great you are, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.